0: Hello, welcome in Kumustan. Thank you for joining me. My name is Hao. I am your occupational therapist. In this episode, we will talk about the tools of practice of occupational therapy. Okay, that is right. So you are professionals. You are occupational therapists. You're a student learning to be occupational therapist. You're a clinician who is doing the job of an occupational therapist? The question is, what are the tools of your trade? So I remembered back in my university days, and my professor asked me and gave us a challenge. He said, if an occupational therapist is to endorse a product and the tele. What would be the product that occupational therapists would be endorsing? So that's really very tricky, isn't it? So uh, occupational therapists is just so huge, so big, that we cannot even associate ourselves with one simple thing. For example, if we look at physiotherapists, you know, they can endorse shoes, you know, as endorsed by the uh, Physiotherapy Association, you know. Or they can endorse a sports product, antiperspirants. They can do that, you know, for the athletic ones. Dentists can endorse uh, toothbrush and toothpaste, dermatologists can endorse a few things, doctors can endorse lots of healthy stuff, nutritionists can endorse vitamins, but occupational therapists, I would say good luck, it's really very difficult. So, occupational therapist is a profession. And in every profession, they have to have, every profession has to have a tool. A carpenter would have the tools of hammer and saw and tape measure. What about occupational therapists? That's a big question, isn't it? Well, let's talk about a few things that I can remember. Well, one of the tools of the trade is occupation. Right, there we go again, trying to promote occupation. So occupation is anything, any activities that is meaningful to a person. So with that alone, so any tasks that has a meaning, and could have a meaning to the person can be an occupational tool. You know, it's our tool, occupation. So there we go again. We need to be able to promote the word occupation again. So occupation meaning anything that a person does, really. So anything goes. So if the person, if it's meaningful for the person to scratch the head, like what I'm doing now, (laughs) then yes, you can use that as a tool. If it is meaningful for the person to be able to put on the makeup, you can make that as the tool. You can use that for your intervention. If it is meaningful to have the clothes on, the right amount of clothes, then you can use that as a form of intervention. So, through the dressing retraining. So, anything goes as long, any task, as long as It becomes important to the person. So the next tool of practice uh, is uh, the use of environment. So it is the physical environment. So you can either change it. You can use it to enhance a person's engagement. You can modify it. Yeah you f- how, how do we do that? So changing the environment means changing the sound, you know, changing the light, changing the physical structures, rearranging them. You can change any of these things to enhance a person's ability to engage with their uh, ADLs or with their desired occupation. Or you can change the environment to facilitate improvement with the performance components. So if a person is has low um, level of alertness, how are you going to use the environment? You know, make the room brighter. Yeah. you know, make some therapeutic noises. Make it a bit louder. Give some music. That is stimulating. Talk to people in a stimulating, uh, in a stimulating manner. If somebody has a stroke and their other side, so they have uh, inattention on the left side, position the person in such a way where the stimulus will approach the person on the left side. If the person is agitated, you can change the environment by dimming the light or by giving an, an, a form of aroma, or some calming aroma, which is normally sandalwood or base or wood or foresty type of scent. But if you want to stimulate them, you have to give them like kind of citrusy kind of scent as well. So there's lots of things that you can do in the environment. So that was the second one. First one was the use of occupation. Second one was the use of environment. The third one, if my memory is serving me correctly, is called activity analysis. So, activity analysis is looking at the demands, the physical demands, the cognitive demands, and the emotional demands of a task. And then, this is what you would give to the person. For example, if a person needs to strengthen the abductors or the deltoids of the arm and give them some cooking, yeah. So they can probably do that. And that will improve their, you know, hopefully they would improve the strength of their arm. This is what other professions are adapting as well, isn't it? Uh, like uh, Mr. Miyagi, you know, of Karate Kid, if you remember him. Probably not for those of you who are born, you know, around the 90s. But uh, back in the 80s, there was Mr. Miyagi who The karate kid, you know, wax on, wax off, then all of a sudden the karate kid is very good in blocking attacks, you know. So, activity analysis looking for some of the demands of the task and giving that specific task for the person so that the person will improve, particularly on their uh, physical capabilities. But there are also some uh, activities. Oh, it's the other. W- it's, it's not just one way. It's it's two way. By the way, meaning you don't just analyze the activity, and then you give it to the person. Another way of activity analysis is analyzing the person's ability, and then by analyzing the person's ability, you can then identify whether the person will be able to do a particular task. So for example, if the person cannot manage to sit to stand from the bed, yeah, they cannot stand, then you are anticipating that the person will have difficulty standing from the toilet as well. Isn't it? Which will make them have difficulty with their toilet hygiene so you analyze that if the person is reliant on a walking frame and they cannot take their hands off the walking frame when they're walking you then will know and you will assume based on the analysis of that skill that the person will have difficulty with their meal preparation if the person has impairment with their memory and cannot hold a conversation, you would then prescribe somebody to come in to give an assistance to help them with their medication routine. So that is activity analysis in a nutshell, guys. Okay, it's, anu- it's in a nutshell. If you want to find these details, more about this, just go. There are plenty of texts out there. Another tool of the trade is the use of splints and orthosis. So it's one of those things that occupational therapists do and specialize on making splints. It's one of the biomechanical Approaches in biomechanical treatment where you are maintaining the joint range, you're maintaining the soft tissue length, and you can achieve this through fabrication of splints. And occupational therapists are good at this. You know, providing static orthosis for the hand, static splints, whether it is ventral cockup splint or functional splint or the dorsal splint, you can use preventative to stabilize the hands uh, or the, uh, the uh, carpometacarpal joint of the thumb, you know, from, from the veins. You want to stabilize that. So occupational therapists can fabricate these splints or should be able to fabricate these splints. Now, in other places, these are standard skills. But I think in the United Kingdom, it's such a rare experience to, for OTs to do these splints. And that is because people will always think about discharge planning. Uh, but this is one of the preventative interventions and in some, um, some kind of a restorative intervention. So use of orthosis. So that would be the fourth one, if I'm not mistaken. Another tool of the trade is the use of um, neuromotor and neurodevelopmental techniques and treatment. Uh, Particularly if you're working in physical dysfunction, so you would be using some biomechanical skills, biomechanical treatment, biomechanical approaches. You'd be using some NDTs, neurodevelopmental treatments, by Bobath and Brunström and Rood, Catherine Rood. So you'd be using all of these skills and it is a tool of the trade. Another tool of the trade is the use of self. That's right. We are a tool. You're a tool. Meaning... Sometimes, because of the activity analysis, an occupational therapist can look at the person and already the person, the, the therapist would know what needs to be done. You know, all these processing and activity analysis happen so quickly up in the head, and there's such a huge processing in there that just by looking, the occupational therapist already can predict what can be done, what needs to take place, and an occupational therapist can, Establish the functional prognosis. And these skills happen and build up over time. You know, it doesn't happen quickly. But the use of self is one of the tools. Imagine that, you know, an occupational therapist can just go into the TV and yes, here we are (laughs) presenting ourselves, you know, the tool of self. Wow. So the tool of self can be used in the tool, in terms of the tool of physical um, dysfunction, for example. Or you can use yourself, the use of self, in terms of the emotional well-being or how we approach the person. We build up that therapeutic relationship. We use that supportive and therapeutic listening and uh, we use ourselves on how we deal and how we approach the person. That's why occupational therapist is an art as well. So you don't just look at the person. There is an element of, of yin and yang. There's an element of sensing and feeling. There is an element of acknowledgement of the spirituality. Yeah. So the use of self is the tools, one of the tools of the trade. Another one is teaching and learning. Teaching and learning method is uh, another tool which is borrowed from education, obviously. So you give an instruction to the person. You do behavioral strategies. You do behavioral techniques. And all these teaching and learning is all behavioral approach. So you use this. Another tool of the trade would be the use of groups. So occupational therapists can design a group uh, and can establish the role of uh, the group and the objectives. and Then you can prescribe a group and you can make a group and then design a group and then implement. And you can instruct an occupational therapy assistant on how to implement group okay so I think these are some of the very basic tools of the trade and uh, there will be other techniques but if uh, all the other techniques will just fall in one of these categories for example if you have techniques of the um, say kinetic control retraining so that will fall under neuro neuromotor. Uh, retraining, for example. Um, so, for example, is uh, the use of aromatherapy, for example. Uh, is Can that be a tool of OT? Yes, because it'll fall on the use of environment. What about sound, music? Yes, that can be the use of uh, environment as well. Now, if the music is significant to the person, that's use of occupation, the use of interest, isn't it? And uh, what else? Um, um, There's so many other things, you know, It's, it's almost unlimited. We have lots of things that we can utilize, which just again emphasizes or it puts an emphasis on what I have been saying all along and all the time. That everything you do, that everything we do matters and has an outcome. There you go, guys. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you picked up a little something today about the tools of the trade. So just remember, talk to each other about this. Teach one another. Have a discussion Uh, Whatever you're practicing, just be mindful of your practice and think, why are you doing the way you are doing things? And when you do and when you can verbalize that, then you can share that to others and you will grow together. Just remember, everything you do matters and has an outcome. Until next time, bye!